up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. This is Wednesday, February 6th. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. This is a daily NFL podcast. I gotta admit, in the week following the Super Bowl, when you say daily NFL podcast from now until the end of time, or at least it through the next football season, get a little, some little heart palpitations, but that's right. That doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what I need or what I want or what my family cares about. What matters is you, the listener. We gotta get you content and we're gonna do it every single day, Monday through Friday. Football's over. Super Bowl has ended, but we have lots of draft content, lots of free agent content, lots of podcasts where I like watch NC State score more than 24 points and do a live podcast on it. Uh, and to do some of that content, some of that draft action, we're going to have Ryan Wilson, my good friend. Yep, yep. Got to hang out with you all week at, uh, in Atlanta. A lot of fun. What was your favorite thing about Atlanta? You were the podcast less than 48 hours ago, actually. Yeah, so let's let's talk about that. So we we uh, we had a long day at the Super Bowl. And just it's, just for the record, we are going to get into draft stuff, and you're going to do draft stuff every week. But first, we are going to dive into um, Super Bowl Super Bowl uh, shenanigans. Yeah, I want to talk about the last forty eight hours for me. So we uh, found <laughs> out late Saturday night that you, I, Breach, we're going to do the um, eight a.m. segment at HQ CBS Sports HQ, which is for those that don't know, our free. 24-7, live streaming, sports network, news, picks, gambling analysis, fantasy, whatever you need to be a smarter sports fan, CBS Sports HQ has got it. So go to cbssports.com slash live or use your CBS Sports HQ app. It's already on your phone. Just go get it or the CBS Sports app. You won't regret it. You'll be smarter. Yeah, so we show up at uh, <laughs> seven fifteen or so on set to get ready in the NFL experience. Would you for, say uh, that it was fifteen minutes early for our call time? I would. Yeah, we were. So we had a two hours and change of coverage, starting with you, me, Breach, and our buddy Kenny White. The dra- what's his name? The Whatabots? The Wizard, the Wizard of, of Oz. Yeah, the Wizard yeah. of Oz. Dra- uh, he's the uh, Vegas expert. So we were up there having a great old time. After that, we stood around and watched some world records be broken, starting Brady Quinn and Jarvis Landry. Uh, literally, Guinness Book of World Records was there. I tried to fight Pete Prisco. In what? He threw a he threw a stuffed animal in my face. Oh, that was part of the. Uh, I don't think any records were broken there. Did y'all y'all didn't see it? Did you? Did you miss it? No, we were gone. So John, have you seen the, I, Have you seen the replay? No, but I look forward to checking that out. You should Pete. check it. No, 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 Pete. So like Pete threw a stuffed animal in my face, and the um <clears throat> the hard you nose step stool. No, the hard nose hit me squarely on the lip in between like my top two teeth. And it hurt like hell, and I like pulled up my blindfold. The guy disqualified me, and I charged at Pete, slinging animals. Like you didn't I, charge at Pete. I swear I did. I, I was like flying, like fl- I was picking up animals and bombing them at him. And so then what he was do? he was up next. He was like, "Don't throw it at me. I'll, I will beat you up." I was like, "All right." So I threw a, threw a couple soft ones at him, and then just cranked one in his face and hit him square in the head. What did he do? Charge at me and put me in a headlock. Oh, he did. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry I missed that. That I would have liked to have seen. Yeah. Meanwhile, while you while you guys were playing, uh. Huggy Bear, John and I were uh, making our way to Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Where we were sidetracked for a bit, about three-hour way to get to our seats in the press box. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got there eventually and uh, had to endure a, a pretty unexciting football game, I would say. Fair enough, whatever. We're in the Super Bowl, I'm not complaining. It was a good time. Wrote about that, went downstairs, talked to some players. Wrote about how dominant the pass defense was. And by the time you and I got back to the hotel, it was one, I think, one in yeah. the morning probably. Yeah, East Coast Super Bowls are the worst. Yeah, and then we didn't get 
I went upstairs. I had to pack because I was leaving early the next morning. So I packed, took a quick shower, and then me, you, and Breach convened in your hotel room at 3 a.m. Monday morning That's to do a correct. podcast. That is correct. And that was over around 4. I slept for an hour and then went straight to the airport. Did you and actually sleep? I thought you went straight to the airport. Yeah, my bu- <laughs> my buddy was in town. He had Super Bowl tickets because he knows someone on the Patriots. He had Super Bowl tickets, um, so he and I shared the king-size bed two nights in a row, <laughs> old school college. So hour of snuggling with him to the airport where, oh, my gosh, you did the wise thing and went through the CBS terminal where you didn't have to wait. I did not. I went through the regular terminal. I had to wait 50 minutes at 6 a.m. to get through just to get through TSA. Yeah. By the time I was in the terminal waiting to catch my flight at 9.30, that wait had been extended to four hours just to get through TSA from the front gate. Uh, so I was glad I got there early. You were glad you took the CVS terminal. and uh, I got left. from my hotel to my gate in 50 minutes. Yeah. That, and, it's uh, like, and it's like a 20-minute Uber ride from the hotel to the airport. Right. That's right. And it's Atlanta traffic and all that. Might be 30-minute Uber ride. I really got through security in like 20 minutes. It was insane. So, yeah, well. Lesson learned. Next time there's a Super Bowl in Atlanta, I'm going through Terminal F. I was going to say. And slept. Yeah, that happened to me. I got home at uh, 12 o'clock. My wife said, I'll see you in a few minutes with our son. I'm picking him up from school. My The car battery in one of my cars is is dead because my wife wrecked the car while I was gone. Um, and, uh, and, and so it won't start, so I don't have a car. So I'm waiting on AAA to deal with that. Um, I'm too tired to do anything in life right now. Oh my god! Even I slept for 12 hours on Monday night, and I'm still too tired. And by the uh, way, this just confirms how soft we are. The people that have real jobs and have to work overnights or have to work two shifts in a row, we wouldn't last very long. Not last a week at this point. I'm, I, yeah, I'm not, just, yeah. yeah, not even a week. Um, yeah, we're soft anyway. The uh, NC State down 56 to 40 at halftime in Chapel Hill, but 40 is more points than they scored on Saturday, so we got that going for us. Um, do you think that? Uh, how do you think? How do you think losing the Super Bowl changes things for the Rams in terms of how they might approach this offseason in terms of free agency in the draft? Because when you start looking at their roster, they have a lot of free agents, notably Indomitian Sue and Dante Fowler Jr. on the defensive side of things. Um, Matt Longacre is one, also there. LaMarcus Joyner, who's been franchise tagged multiple times, is going to be a free agent. Sam Shields is older, but has played pretty well. Dom Easley, a backup lineman, is on that list. C.J. Anderson on that list. And uh, Roger Saffold, an offensive lineman. So, my goodness, they, you know, they're not slammed with free agents, but if you lose Indomitian Sue and Dante Fowler, that really takes a bite. And, and LaMarcus Joyner, and that's three starters on the defensive side of things, I don't know they can be aggressive if they want to about about signing those guys because they have to worry about Jared Goff's contract. Um, you know, Andrew Whitworth could potentially retire. There's a whole lot of transition here for the Rams, and I'm curious what you think they will do from a draft and free agency standpoint. Well, also Marcus Peters only has one year left on his deal. I think he's due about $9 million and change, so I have to decide about that. Here's the thing. They have their first-round pick, but they gave up the second-round pick for Marcus Peters, third-round pick for Dante Fowler. As you mentioned, all the free agents, uh, I'm not sure what their salary cap situation is, but I don't think it's wonderful. I have to check with our buddies at Spot Track. But here's the other thing, and we were talking about this during Super Bowl week. I can't remember who originally said it. Maybe you do. Preach and I were talking about it. Is there a situation where, or this was the, this was the, the, the thing that the person was sort of, this Jared, is their the Jared, the Jared Goff trade? Oh, no, just do not sign a quarterback beyond his rookie deal. Just move on. That was, uh, that was, um, Michael Kaiser, our producer. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, don't so, sign a quarterback. You dra- you just burn a quarterback through five years and then Cooper, draft a draft. Cooper Town's New York. Cooper's Town, New York's very own. There you go. Kaiser. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I sort of like that, especially here, someone tweeted this today on um, on Tuesday that uh, all the st- all sort of the stats of Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott had the most impressive numbers, and it really wasn't that close. Yeah. And uh, the Cowboys obviously have to decide what to do with him, but he's a fourth-round pick. So, yeah, I do wonder, because Jerry Goff isn't great. He's okay. He's a little better than average. And No, nah, he's he's top 15. Well, I guess top 15 is a little bit yeah, better than average. Yeah, he's a little better than average. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I think he his success has as much to do with Sean McVay, who refused to show up for work on Sunday for some reason. <laughs> and if they'd won the Super Bowl, we wouldn't care about all this free agency stuff, but they didn't. Just well, like when, yeah, well, Super Bowl, it's like do whatever you want with your free right. agents, yeah. Just like when the Falcons traded for Julio Jones, like why are you trading for Julio Jones? And they never really made that work. Julio Jones is a fantastic player, but they had to get a lot to get him. Yeah. So, yeah. And by the way, if, so they have um, uh, $32 million in cap space, which is a lot. And if Andrew Whitworth retires, they would actually have uh, another $10 million plus in cap space. Uh, okay, so they can make it work. Yeah, they got plenty of cap space. Um the golf's problem is he's going to get like $30 million a year. That's why I uh, subscribe to the Kaiser theory of five and out. Don't nobody, if anybody knows Kaiser on this podcast, namely people who work at CBS, don't tell him that anybody out there is subscribing to the Kaiser theory. That's not what Kaiser needs to hear. Yeah. But I mean, in this instance, I, I sort of agree with it. I think there's a rare circumstance. I'm trying, I mean, I don't know. Andrew Luck. Yes. You obviously do it. There are guys who do it, but Jerry Goff isn't setting the world on fire. You give him an Andy Dalton deal, prorated for today's money, and then he ain't getting it. If Ryan and Bruce, I mentioned this on the podcast of Brady Quinn yesterday. He has the Tolners as his agents. They're the ones who got Blake Bortles the extension last year. He's you're not going to see Jerry Goff get anything. Jerry Goff threw for like forty six hundred yards, a ton of touchdowns, and few interceptions, and had a great year. There's no way he he was an MVP candidate. Through, halfway through the season, yeah. there's no way he's getting less than $35 million. Quarterbacks are hard to find. I get all that. But I just – when you start devoting that much – even the, the Seahawks, Russell Wilson's very good. Even when they paid him, they took a dip. Sure. Now, I do think it's worth noting that with, with Jared Goff, you're not paying him this offseason. You know, no, you, that's right. You know, he's, going, he's, going, he's going into his fourth – season. Yeah, he's going into his fourth year. You let him play that. This offseason, you have to decide if you pick up the fifth-year option. I think that's a no-brainer. Right, you absolutely. Pick, you pick up the fifth year option. You got two years to see what he's got, and then if for some reason it's a you know it's not working out going into that final fifth year, then maybe if it, you know maybe you work around that. But I, I, I mean, I think the Jared Goff thing you could kind of push down the road a little bit, unless you know you have a especially when you don't have a second or third round second or third round pick. If there's some guy you love, some quarterback you love, you could theoretically draft him in the first round. But that sort of to me ignores the the other needs of this team, namely pass rusher. Yeah, there's no reason to take a, a quarterback in the first round, especially this draft. That's right, pass rusher, uh, linebacker, cornerback. Those are the three big needs. Dante Fowler was okay, didn't really get it done. He maybe played like what you would expect a third-round pick to play like, except it was only a one-year deal. Uh, Marcus uh, Peters did not play like a second-round pick. I don't know if it's because he's injured or he didn't fit the scheme or what. And they still need a linebacker. They don't have a linebacker right now. So they can certainly find one at the end of the first round. I think I have them taking um, Charles Menehue out of Texas, the guy who described himself as a bigger version of Chandler Jones hmm. when I talked when I talked to him at the Senior Bowl. 
He's a man, he, and he's a lot of fun to watch. I think he would feel soon. Is he? Is he forty? Forty what? Forty. Yeah, that was a uh, Mike uh, Mike Gundy joke. He's a man. He's forty. Uh, Mike Gundy. You didn't put your mullet on, so I couldn't. I yeah, didn't get well, that. So it's usually here. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, who? I mean, is he as good as Sue? Probably not. But he could step in and play, and obviously much cheaper. So they have other needs. Uh, like I said, linebacker, cornerback. If you don't have a second, third round pick, things get difficult. So. You know, there's a chance for the other teams in that division to make some noise. The Seahawks are very good. And I've lost a lot of faith in Sean McVay. I don't know. You know, I don't understand how he was so thoroughly outcoached given all the sort of back rubs we were giving this guy over the first six months of the year. Um, yeah, I mean, nah, I'm with you. Did, you. did you see the video from inside the NFL? I guess it'll air probably aired last night. Yeah, it aired last night on 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 uh on Showtime, but he goes to Belichick before the game. He's like, "Man, he's like, you got you're just the best, man. You're the best." And, and Belichick's like, "Oh, you know, you're the next man up." Yada yada. He's like and, and McVay's like, "Just every week, man, something different. It always changes with you guys. Doesn't matter like like you always manage to roll with it and change it up week to week." And it's like, "You're about you don't know it, but you're about to have that ha- like you're about to get Belichick, buddy. Like you you you're, you're stepping into a world of pain. Yeah, man. you're praising this guy and you were about to get killed." Um also worth noting, Akeem Tlaib, 33 next year. They could cut him if they wanted with no financial repercussions. I don't think that will happen. He played well. Um, $8 million cap hit, no dead money. And then, of course, Marcus Peters, $9 million um, cap hit, no dead money. Also free agent in 2020. So the Rams, I mean, they didn't just shove all in by going out to get all these guys. I mean, they, they were really all in. Like, like Dante Fowler's gone. And Dominican Sue is a one-year deal. Akeem Tlaib has one year left on his contract. Marcus Peters, one year left. I mean, this is not a team that is it, – look, I'm not trying to say that the Rams are going anywhere because I think the Rams are in pretty good shape. Um, Wait a second. Todd Gurley's coming back. We don't know what's going on with Todd Gurley. Right, right. Exa- right. Exa- look, Mark Barron, one of the starting linebackers, has two years left on his deal. Somehow Mark Barron will be 30 in 2020. How, did, how the hell did that happen? Um, For a quick draft sort of uh, aside, Mark Barron was a top 10 pick as a safety at Alabama. Yep. Terrible. Safety at Alabama. Terrible. Just goes to show you that it's really hard to evaluate these guys. Yeah, now he's a pretty good linebacker. Uh, by the way, Michael Brockers, final year of his contract. Are the, are the Rams, I mean, are the Rams in trouble? Nah. It will, it's too early to say. We need to wait till Andrew, you know, we'll, Andrew Whitworth has max one year left. I mean, look, they have a good core because they have. We'll wait a month and see how free agency starts to shake out and then they'll have some, I mean, they don't have very many draft picks. So not, not a lot's going to change unless they land. A guy in the fourth, fifth, and sixth round that just ended up to be ballers. But I think we'll know more in a month after free agency gets fired up. And like you said, they have Sean McVay. They have Jerry Goff. Jerry Goff is above average. Um, but they have plenty of questions as well. I think right now, I, now that I'm, we're talking about it, I think Seattle is probably the favorite, the team that I picked to finish dead last a year ago mm-hmm. in that division. I don't think Seattle's a favorite. I think – so going into the year in, in 2018 – the Rams were minus 160 to win the division. And that ended up being one of the best bets you could make of the entire year because they, they won the division with like a month or plus left to play. I think they'll be closer to like minus 300. I think everyone will pick them to win the division, but I would not be surprised at all, Ryan, if ultimately the Seahawks or the 49ers, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo comes back and makes a leap. Like if you told me nine months from now, one of those two teams won that division, I wouldn't be shocked. No, that's right. Especially since Antonio Brown's going to be playing for the 49ers in a few weeks. Um, that would, there you go. Uh, I don't know if I want Antonio Brown. Cooper Cup, Cooper Cup, by the way, 
look, he's a big factor, and he we don't know if he's definitely going to come back healthy. I, I'm not I'm not trying to bury the Rams. The Rams are great. They got a good coach. He should be healthy as the ACL expert. I think when he tears ACL, November or something. It was late, man. You don't usually get your explosiveness back. Uh, John Sullivan, the center, who had a rough. Uh, this, this Dude, Hunter Henry tore his ACL in May, and he tried to play in that playoff game. Yeah, he played in the playoff game. Did he? Yeah, the first one he did, and the second one he did. I think yeah. that's right. Yeah. I'm just saying, if you start to kind of look at the Rams, maybe they're not in as good of shape as we thought they were. I'm just saying. And if they had won that game, we would have, be having the exact opposite conversation. Oh well, they'll they'll figure it out because they figured out a way to beat the Patriots, uh, four to three in that barn burner uh, of a Super Bowl. <laughs> but it didn't happen. It changes our perspective. And I think a lot of it starts with Sean McVay, who admitted pretty early on that he was terrible. And I think uh, your insight into what he said before the game portrays him as someone who wasn't quite ready for the big stage, which seems like a weird thing to say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. It is, it, it's a little odd, man. I, I don't know. I, I'm not saying the Rams are dead. I just think it's worth noting that I don't think the Rams are – I also don't think the Rams are just going to – They're not. Cruise to another title and another Super Bowl. I think I – think, Seattle's my team as of right now in that division. There you go. And uh, that means the, the Cardinals will win the division. Good job by yep, you. Yep, easily. Let's take a uh, quick break. Then we'll come back and we'll talk about uh, maybe some Patriots stuff, maybe some, um, well, certainly some draft stuff. Anyway, quick break, right back. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Okie dokie. What great, what a great break that was. What'd you think about that? Loved it. It's, it was automated. I have no idea what would happen. Sometimes it's an ad. Sometimes it's an ad for other podcasts. Sometimes it's me going, what's up, everybody? I hope it's not me. That would be, that would be This weird. is Will Brinson. Yeah. How do you like my hair? <laughs> well, that's, How was that? That was pretty good, actually. Hey, everybody. This is Will Brinson. Um, so real quickly on the Patriots, too. I think it's worth noting for them for draft purposes. Um, I, and look, we don't, it would be dumb to try and predict what the Patriots are going to do in the draft. That, that has never worked out well for anybody. But they are. It could like. It seems likely they will lose cornerback uh, Jason McCourty 
who they traded for out of Cleveland, a seventh round pick for him. He, he, he has intimated that he would probably retire. Devin McCourty may stick around and keep playing. Um, Jason McCourty was fantastic down the stretch and made, made the game saving play against the Rams. Uh, additionally on defense, three defensive linemen, three key defensive linemen, Malcolm Brown, a first round pick in 2015, Trey Flowers, a fourth round pick in 2015, and Danny Shelton, who was acquired in a trade from Cleveland, a former first round pick as well in 2015 or, yeah, 2015 because, no, 2016 because, um, right? Was it 2016? Is that right? Danny Shelton? I can't remember. It's Cam Irving and, and Danny Shelton. He was drafted. What? I think that's right. Anyway, um, let's. Neither with the team. I can tell you that. No, 2015. How did I miss that? Oh, sorry. Excuse me. Johnny Menzel and Justin Gilbert were 2014. Danny Shelton yeah. and Cam Irving were 2015. Anyway, Danny Shelton also drafted, also, you know, drafted and acquired via trade from Cleveland. Isn't that ironic that like maybe the two guys who had the biggest games or two of the bigger games for the, for the, for the Patriots came from the Browns. Uh, they really wanted to, to, to win that Super Bowl, get away from 0-16. Um, that's four key players on their defense. On offense, they're going to probably lose Trent Brown, the tackle, but they get Isaiah Wynn back. And then from a uh, wide receiver perspective, Chris Hogan, Cordero Patterson, and Philip Dorsett are all free agents. That's a lot of guys. I, look, I get and Eric Rowe, by the way, also a free agent. I get it that the – the Patriots will reboot and they'll be fine. They have Tom Brady. They have Bill Belichick. You know, they have Julian Edelman. They have maybe Rob Gronkowski. We don't know. Um, but they have a good offensive line. That, but that's a lot of guys to lose in an offseason. If I were to keep one of those guys, I would prioritize Trey Flowers. But yes. we've seen them in the past say, so see us to, uh, very good edge rushers. Richard Seymour eventually got the, got his walking papers. Um, oh God, what's the, uh, what's the defensive end for the Colts now? He used to play for the Browns and what's made a stop with the, I have to look his name up. Can't believe it. But he came and went, and, and they survived. And I think as long as, like you say it all the time, as long as Belichick's there, defensively things are going to work out. Matt oh, Patricia, Jamal, Jamal Sheard. Jamal Sheard, thank you. He had a, he had a good, quick little nice run in cup New of, England. Cup of coffee in the, with the Patriots. Yeah, but he's a he's a good player, good edge setter. But Trey Flowers is the best of that bunch. But, uh, you know, he's going to want – Defensive end, prime time money, and the Patriots aren't known to pay their players, so. No, you can franchise tag him, too. You can it's a lot of money, though. Yeah, it sure is. Yeah, sure is. It's a lot. But lot. I have the Patriots taking a wide receiver at the bottom of the first round of my latest mock draft, which dropped Tuesday. Debo Samuel, who I love out of South Carolina. Man, would he fit with what they do. He's fast, he's super smart, and, you know, he can do everything. Why, he would be a better version of Julian Edelman in my mind. That's actually saying something since Edelman's a Hall of Famer, but. Nah. He'd be better than Chris Hogan and Cordero Patterson put together, I feel like. By the way, um, according to Spotrack, Spotrack, the calculate, by Jamal Sheard got, uh, 26 million on the open market. Good for Ooh, him. told you. Yep. Uh, Calais Campbell, 60, uh, Olivier Vernon, 85. Um, they calculated his market value for, uh, for Trey Flowers at $15.3 million. So if you do franchise. Let me say this. I'll pay him 15.3 million way before I pay Le'Veon Bell that money. Yeah, you think? Or Todd Gurley? Come on, please. Yes. Um, look, I'm not saying, I'm not worried, I'm not worried about the Patriots. Um, I do think, I, I would not be surprised at all if the Patriots ultimately decided to bring back Rob Gronkowski at his $10 million figure or... Why? Why would they suddenly be sentimental about a player who can't do anything but block? Well, I think Brady would like him back. Tom Brady would like him back. I also think that he he you can he's a guy you can put in the garage until the playoffs and Gronk can make a difference and help win you games 
And we saw that he won. He helped win the Super Bowl. Bottom line, help he won. Yeah. Help beat the Chiefs too. He sounded like he was exhausted afterwards. Now, look, he might retire. It might not matter. I just feel like there's a decent chance we could see Gronk back with the Patriots this next year because you're not talking about like twenty five million dollars. You're talking about a ten million dollar hit. Um, Tom Brady has a twenty seven million dollar cap hit coming up. The Patriots uh, have sixteen point six million dollars in cap room. I would anticipate that Tom Brady, given the way he played. Um, for much of the season, given his insistence that he will play until he's 45, um, that they work out a contract extension to try and reduce that cap number down from $27 million to something more palatable that would give them room to franchise tag Trey Flowers, that would let them uh, you know, work something around with Gronk if they wanted to, and then potentially sign some of those other guys who might walk and then also make splashes in free agency. I mean, their, their roster is fine. But they do have some issues at wide receiver. So I would, I like your idea. Debo Samuel, you put Debo on that. I mean, Debo is a, a, he can stretch the field and he can eat up stuff underneath, right? Turn kicks. I mean, that's what Patterson was good for. Mm. He can, he can run the jet sweep, lamp in the backfield. Patterson does that. He can do everything that Chris Ogan does and then some. Mm. And, um, yeah, he's dynamic. There are questions about his deep speed, but every time I watch him play, he's beating people deep. He's got, he's got game speed. Yeah. And he, he did it regularly, uh, in Mobile two weeks ago for the senior ball. So. I love them. All right, let's look at your mock draft. Man, I got a uh, Stone Scorpion Bowl IPA. What's that treating you? Uh, it's a punch to the stinger, and it really is. Man, I didn't drink many IPAs while we were, down, we were in Atlanta because I was trying to stay relatively slim for the camera. And, um, yep. whew, man, these IPAs will get you. Packs anyway, a punch. Packs a punch. So, your big splash headliner, I want to give you credit. You have uh, – you know, you, you grab this mock draft thing by both hands and you're really choking it out. Uh, <laughs> you, Die mock draft. No, you're doing the, uh, you're doing, you're, you're doing my move. You know how to find some headlines. Here it is. 2019 mock draft colon. Broncos trade up for a quarterback. Kyler Murray heads to Dolphins. Patriots take explosive wide receiver. And Boom. The, uh, the, makes you want to find out what's going on, right? Oh, absolutely. It's good. Uh, good clickbait. I like it. Um, you have the Denver Broncos trading up to number five with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. How come? What are they getting? And what are the Buccaneers getting in return? Because I'm sure you worked that very specific problem out. Man, nothing gets people on Twitter angrier than when you don't give the specifics of a trade <laughs> beyond the first round. So here's the deal. At the Senior Bowl, the, the murmurs were that Sean Elway, general manager of the Broncos, absolutely loves Drew Locke. He was hanging around the quarterback group all, all practice. Um I think a couple Denver beat reporters uh, said afterwards that he was quote unquote smitten with Drew Locke. Mm. He went to the November 24th game against Arkansas when um, Missouri won 38 to nothing. Drew Locke had two touchdowns, no interceptions, completed 64% of his passes. He likes the guy. He reminds me, I say it every week, he reminds me a lot of Jay Cutler, the way he plays. That's, uh, Elway was something of a gunslinger in his day. One, is, two, that, two, is that a compliment or an insult? It could be taken either way, and both. <laughs> Depends on he can throw the ball. He can throw the ball out of the stadium, but he makes sometimes he makes some stupid decisions. He, he had a slow start to the season, played great the last two months, and, and there was wasn't much to to complain about. His footwork gets sloppy sometimes. He's a great deep ball thrower, so on and so forth. So anyway, if Elway truly loves Drew Locke and he's afraid that some other team is going to trade up and get him, the Bron the Brown um, excuse me the Broncos are at number ten when they select. And for the record. My number one quarterback remains Dwayne Haskins. My number two quarterback remains Kyler Murray. We have to see if Kyler Murray's going to play. Quick aside, did you see that Kyler Murray interview on Dan Patrick? I did not. Oh, my God. You should watch that. So Kyler Murray is uh, in Atlanta last week hawking Gatorade. 
Mm. Stops by Dan Patrick's studio, and Dan Patrick asks him, uh, are you going to the Combine? I don't know. Just sitting there right next to him. Mm-hmm. Um, are you going to spring training? Maybe. That, that was his answers? Like, oh, these, are, these are his answers. Are you going to have a pro day for football? Uh, we'll see. I don't know. And Dan Patrick starts to get exasperated, so he yells in the other room, into the green room where Kyler Murray's dad's sitting, asks him those questions, and <laughs> that goes, no comment. Are you kidding so, me? And Dan Patrick goes, so Kyler, are you, uh, do you find it hard to do these interviews? I know you have to be here because you're selling your little thing here. And Kyler goes, uh, sort of, but, but I've gotten pretty good at answering the questions. Dan Patrick goes, no, no, you haven't. <laughs> are you kidding me? You're actually pretty bad at it. So <laughs> we talked about it on HQ last week. I was with Pete Prisco and, um, Chris Hassel and Pete's take was that this is just a leverage ploy and perhaps it is but he it's an awkward weird interview i don't know why you even i do know why because gatorade gave you money to do it but you have to have better answers than that and uh, i don't know yeah, maybe i mean be like ah oh, you know i think having a pro day would be exciting it would be cool yeah. to get out there and throw with my teammates but you know i know baker did it it'd be very exciting and they're like, are you going to spring training you know i think playing for the a's in spring training would be yeah. just incredible the experience of the camaraderie working with your teammates bonding over baseball are you going to go to the are you going to go to the combine i think that's a once-in-a-life opportunity to go to the combine and to be, yes. potentially be seen by scouts and talk to teams and see where they would draft you and like th- these are easy answers to give kyler Russell Wilson crushes those answers every yes, week. Yes, and doesn't say anything. And like, yeah, yeah, that's all you got to do. Yeah. Now we're still talking about it. But anyway, he's still my number two quarterback, assuming he plays football. But if Drew, uh, John Elway falls in love with Drew Locke and he doesn't want anyone else to get him and he's his guy, I could uh, certainly see him trading up from five to ten with the uh, the Buccaneers there. And I have the Buccaneers trading down. They they land Ed Oliver at number ten, which is, would be a huge gift for them. I love Ed Oliver. Another uh, another defensive lineman for the Buccaneers who doesn't uh... – yeah, well, the there's some talk that Joe McCoy might not be back. Yeah, I've heard that. Their, their defense stinks. Uh, Jameis is coming back, and Bruce Arians is going to fix that offense. So I feel figure if you can at Actually, least Ed Oliver would make sense in a Todd Bowles defense. I'll give you that. Yeah, Clay's, I mean Clay's Campbell style role moving around as a pass rushing. So I'll give you a little insight here that uh, my people have told me about. Oh, so uh, the knock on Ed Oliver is that he's like five eleven and mm-hmm. light. He might weigh two seventy or something. Is he strong enough to play inside? And he played a lot of zero technique. So you, right over the center. So you need to be saying like Lee. You need to phrase my people better. You need to you need to be giving this the the full people close to Ed Oliver. Yeah, there you go. Say that uh, in college you could watch him. He played over the center. He would just bum rush the center every time. The center had no no way to defend himself. And Ed, Ed, Oliver, Ed Oliver will play as a three technique in the NFL. And um, he will need to. He's the fastest player in the draft after probably Quentin Williams. Extremely strong. He needs to work on his technique a little bit. That's sure. that's the word on the street. But here's what uh, my sources tell me: that uh, when you start start talking about Ed Oliver as being light, and that's a concern. Um, Aaron Donald weighed 265 last year mm-hmm. in 2018 season. Mm-hmm. It seems to me like that didn't bother his ability to get after the quarterback. That's a fair point. So, and look, NFL teams know that, and maybe this is just smoke screening or early on with Ed Oliver. But I don't think size will be an issue. The, the issues will be how well will he translate to an NFL team? Does he get along with people? All the other sort of off-field stuff we talk about. I don't think those will be issues, and I think he'll be an awesome player, but I don't think the weight thing will be a problem. So there you have it. He's still going to go high. Yeah. yeah. He's awesome. Yeah. He was um, injured last year, hurt his knee. And the big thing that people will talk about major, outside major of NFL, Apple, yeah, yeah, puffy coat gate. I don't, <laughs> I don't think anyone cares. Major Applewhite got fired, yeah. um, and he didn't care at the time. So – Anyway, uh, how would you feel about 
John Elway trading up for a quarterback, knowing how he graded out quarterbacks named Paxton Lynch and Brock Osweiler. I if I I want nothing to do with John. Like if I'm the Broncos, I'm like, listen, John, why don't you um check with somebody else or anybody else? Why don't you Why don't you get one of those uh analytical studies done that that the that the Browns had done with Teddy Bridgewater? Go or go ask a homeless guy. Maybe go ask a homeless guy, Drew Locke or uh, or Kyler Murray. What do you think, homeless guy? Well, Drew Locke did say he was a Chiefs fan growing up uh, last week, and then he qualified and said, but I would love to. Since Patrick Mahomes ain't going anywhere, I would certainly <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. the Broncos. Yeah, I, I, we've heard that John Elway's difficult to work with sometimes. I think that was who, one of the reasons. Who is the – I should know this, but I again, I'm brain dead. <laughs> we looked it up. I can't remember his name. The OC? Did they hire – are we sure they hired somebody? Yeah. Who okay. else? Vic Fangio ain't going to do it because – um. Oh, uh, no, 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 Rich Scangarello. Yeah, yeah, right, that's right. We talked about this. We did? No, no, you and I talked about somebody else. No, last week, because I asked the exact same question, because I remember that. Scangarello. Nice of them to pronounce that. 24-year yeah, coaching veteran, four years of NFL experience, who spent the past two seasons coaching quarterbacks for the 49ers. He's also worked in the NFL as an offensive quality control coach with Atlanta and Oakland. That's all of his yeah, – interesting. Yeah, so, you know, coming into a situation that may not be ideal for a young quarterback, but Case Keenum's coming back for one more year. He ain't coming back after that, I can tell you that. He was one of the worst quarterbacks, according to our friends at Football Outsiders last year. Yeah. Not all his fault, but at the end of the day, if you're a bad quarterback, you're, people tend to not want you around. Hmm. I, and I'm not knocking this guy. It's just interesting that he only has four years of NFL. I'll be honest. I had not heard of him before he got this job. No. I, and I, I, I can yeah. remember his name after he did. Um, I, and don't forget – um, Who's Elway's friend that turned the job down? Gary Kubiak. Gary Kubiak, that's right. Gary Kubiak was with Elway when they were scouting Drew Locke in the fall, too. So does that change your opinion if, you, if uh, Gary Kubiak likes him? I just have a hard time trusting um, John Elway's quarterback evaluation skills. Right yeah, now. which I is mean, weird since he was a really right. good quarterback. You think he, yeah, exactly. He's a very good quarterback. You think he would be able to, to, to figure out quarterbacks, and he just hasn't been able to do it. Um Additionally, we mentioned Kyler Murray to the Bronx to the to the Dolphins. So here's my thinking on this. I think I say it every week. I want the Giants to take Kyler Murray, but your boy Dave Gettleman ain't taking Kyler Murray. He is not taking Kyler Murray. I want to see Odell Beckham. I want to see Saquon Barkley, Evan Ingram, and Kyler Murray on the field at the same time. That sounds awesome. Forget offensive linemen solving Eli Manning's problems. Eli Manning is terrible. Okay? He can come back next year and you can work Kyler in like they worked in Lamar Jackson in twenty eighteen in Baltimore. But at the end of the day, you gotta get rid of Eli Manning. That ain't happening for the reasons we just talked about. Brian Flores is a new head coach. Chris Greer is the general manager in, in uh, Miami. And Brian Flores has come from the Patriots where he understands how to beat every, the three other terrible teams in that division mm. about the head uh, six times a year. You got to mix it up. Traditional football ain't working in Miami. Brian Tannehill is doo-doo. <laughs> and he can't stay healthy. Um, but he's 30, 31 now. There's a rumor they might, they might cut him. The Dolphins denied that. Right. Chris Greer said that. And then he also said, uh, we haven't gotten to the quarterback evaluations yet for the, for the upcoming draft, but we might just fall in love. So <laughs> fall in love with Kyler Murray. He's different. Can the Patriots defend that guy? I don't know. I would like to see it, but I feel like they can, they can have, they would have much more trouble against Kyler Murray than Ryan Tannehill or Brock Osweiler. Go crazy. What do you have to lose? You're a terrible organization. You're not terrible, but. You're not living up to the uh, the abilities you should – should. Uh, what's what I'm trying to say? You're not living up to your potential. That's what I'm trying to say. Chad O'Shea 
the uh, longtime wide receivers coach for the Patriots, will be the offensive coordinator for Flores. And uh, Patrick Graham, former Packers linebacker coach, will be the defensive coordinator for whatever that's worth. Um, there's also a QB coach coming with Flores. A, Patriot, a lot of Patriots coaches leaving to go with Flores. Um, pretty annoying. By the way, I don't know if you heard this on Sunday night after the game while when we were in the um, in the podium room talking to the Patriots players. Those defensive guys couldn't say enough about Brian Flores. Yeah, okay. Well, no, I heard it. Say I heard it because I heard it because three quarters of the press box it was apparently Dolphins people who were there to get stories about Brian Flores in the event that the Patriots won and the defense played well. And boy, did it! And it was just—it's like, like you're trying to get a question into to a McCordy brother about you know what, like what the scheme was and the approach was, and they're like, "How's Brian Flores as a count?" It's like, okay, he did a great job, but settle down, Dolphins player. Like, like just you're gonna. Do you remember it. that about Matt Patricia though? Uh, well, no, because that's Patri- sort of high praise. Patriots lost. In general, though. Uh, no, people were not. That he got was- he got um, praised for wearing that Goodell clown shirt and for being a rocket scientist. Man, you hate Matt Patricia. I'm just angry. I'm only angry at him calling out people for looking like hobos. Yeah, when he looks himself like a hobo. And he he he's not even approaching what uh, Jim Caldwell did in two, the last two seasons. There, when he went nine and seven and got fired. That's it. Yeah, yeah. That is a little irritating, I guess, if you're a reasonable person. Um, okay. Elsewhere in your mock draft, you have. I don't think they're gonna. I, I think they're gonna keep tanking. I think they're gonna tank. I don't think they're gonna take Kyler Murray, but that's fine. You think they're gonna keep Tannehill? Keep Tannehill and just try and tank this year and get a higher pick next year. Just build it up. He knows he's got a long haul. Yeah, you hiring a guy just to tank? Yeah, sure. I mean, what, what are you gonna hire a guy to lose for three years and fire him? I mean, that's, <laughs> hire a guy to try to lose or try to beat Bill Belichick and get his <laughs> head bashed in? Um, you mentioned to me before we started recording that there's a scenario where, hey, maybe the Raiders could be good next year. Sorry, I was on mute. Yeah, so we have the Chargers. <laughs> Your Chargers. We have the Chiefs. The Raiders. What's the other team in that division? The Broncos. The Broncos. Broncos need a quarterback. You don't trust John Elway. We know about Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. We know about um, your boy Phillip Rivers. He's going to be 47 next year. The Raiders won five games. I thought they might win zero games. Of course, one of those games games get the Steelers. <laughs> but they had three first-round picks because they got rid of Khalil Mack, and they traded um, – Amari Cooper, and here's what I'm taking number four. That's the one they earned by winning five times. Quinn Williams, game changer. They need help along the edge. So at 24, I'm taking Ja'Kai Polite out of Florida, who is a man. He's not Khalil Mack, no one is, but he's someone you can put in right away and start pressuring people. Then at 27, I'm taking Mack Wilson, the linebacker out of um, Alabama, who might be my favorite linebacker. It's close between him and Devin White out of LSU. They're both awesome, both sort of play and the style you want it, like the Darius Leonard, Ryan Shazier when he was 100% type style. And uh, that's huge. Those are three guys that transform a defense. Now, uh, Jordy Nelson is over the hill. Mm. Jared Cook hasn't been re-signed as far as I know, so he could hit free agency. Derek Carr's coming back, I believe. And I feel like John Elway and Derek Carr can make this thing work, assuming <laughs> assuming uh, John Elway can get over his, his uh, seeming hatred of, mm-hmm. of Derek Carr when he makes dumb throws. But – um. Derek Carr actually had some pretty career – I think the completion percentage was career high. Yards per attempt may have been career high. So he did some things well. Here's the thing. Second round, this deep wide receivers clash, you get a wide receiver. Could be in Keel Harry out of Arizona State. Could be Debo Samuel if he falls. Could be Marquise Hollywood Brown out of Oklahoma. Mm. And then this class is even deeper tied in. 
you get a tight end in the third round. I don't know who it's going to be. I mean, there are any number of guys. Uh, Dawson Knox at Ole Miss is a guy who could fall into the third round. You get Noah Fant in the second round if you want and come back for a receiver in the third round. It doesn't matter, however you do it. But you get five players, and suddenly tw- five players that can contribute regularly, given the, the way this class is structured, you, you should have some pretty good options. This team might win eight games. Mm, I'm going to tell you something. Let me, let me tell you something. Some of my sources told me. All right, what do you got? Um, and I'm going to let you – you can even source guess who this might be. It's a famous person. So my favorite famous person? <laughs> no, no, oh no, 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 no. It's a, uh, it's a famous person I talked to at Radio Row, knows a lot about Iowa tight ends. A lot about Iowa, t- Iowa tight ends. All right, what'd you, I don't know who this is. What'd they say? He said, it was George Kittle. Um, oh, oh yeah, George. <laughs> yeah. So he, I uh, asked him, I was like, man, how about the, uh, how about Hawk- Hawkinson and Fant? He's like, these, he's like, he's like, they are beast. Nice, Ab- good. Absolute good beast. Um, and I think he said, um, I think he said that Fant is, that Hawkinson is complete. One of them is a better blocker, and I'd have to go back and Hawkinson watch. Hawkinson it is. Uh, Hawkinson is a better, so, Hawkinson yeah. is a better blocker. Yeah, he's like, Fant needs to work on his blocking a little bit. That's right. Um, but the, but he's, he thinks, he said he would not be surprised at all if both guys went in the first round. That could very well. In fact, this latest mock draft, I have Hawkinson going 12th to, to Green Bay. I, I, I saw that. Now, here's what my question is. Could the Raiders at four go Quentin Williams or, um, you know, Cleveland Farrell or sure. Jonah Williams or whatever you do and then go with your wide receiver tight end combo in the first yeah, round? Absolutely. I had him taking, I can't remember. It's been a couple of, I do one every week. Probably a month ago, I had him taking a tight end, maybe Noah Fant. Maybe Herb Smith Jr. I can't remember who out of Alabama, but at the bottom of the first round, and I think I was talking to Casey Kiernan on HQ, and he's like, "Wait a second, they need help on the defense side of the ball. Why are you doing this?" I said, "Well, Jerry Cook may not come back, yeah. and this this tight end class is stacked, and uh, Noah Fant slash Herb Smith slash T.J. Hawkinson, those guys immediately Irvin, they're Evan Ingram types that step in, and two or three of them can block." I don't think there's any scenario you can craft for the Raiders from a mock draft perspective. That is just flat out inaccurate. You know what I mean? Yeah, you ha- I feel like you got to get a net rusher somewhere, even if that's in the second round. That's fine, but otherwise, it, you're such so, a terrible football team. Anyone you draft is going to help. And there's even I think we talked about last week the conversation that they make bundle some picks to get a quarterback of John Gruden, like John Elway falls in love, or just hang around in the second round and get someone like Will Greer or maybe Daniel Jones if he falls there. I don't like Will Greer that high. Um, I didn't like watch. I don't think he had a great senior season that. Uh, at uh, West Virginia, he certainly didn't have a good senior bowl. We'll see if he improves the stock of the combine, but right. you know, John uh, Gruden might feel differently. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm on board with that. I I think I just think I think with the Raiders, they're such a wild card that like literally, because you're talking about Gruden and, and Mike Mayock is involved now. I mean, like anything they do, it will be interesting to see how much Mayock's, um, how much his selections in the draft, as much as they're actually his. Uh, you know, sounds like he was, uh, had the understanding that he was going to be a yes man. Yeah. But I mean, like, I think, I think there will be input from on the players from Mayock. So I'm curious to yeah. see how much they actually mirror his, um, you know, his, uh, his, his sort of discussion of prospects, how it might, you know what I'm saying? Like you hear the way that he talked about certain guys before the, you know, before the draft, will he right. actually, will he actually live up to that end of the bargain? Um, you know, when it comes to, when it comes to taking players. All right. I know you've been busy. Oh, quickly, by the way, yeah, yeah, sure. Great question to George Kittle. I, I fist bumped for that one. That was good. Yeah, in fact, um, I hope George doesn't mind me talking about it. I mentioned to it off camera. 
No, he's pumping those guys up. He, yeah. he went, especially off camera, he's telling you the truth. So definitely. Yeah. Um, I figured he wouldn't mind. I mean, I, you know, didn't reveal any secrets. Um, what, uh, you don't have to have an answer for this, but you are, you know, I'm not going to ask you to give me a surprise prospect that's rising amongst the, the draft Knicks because you're, you were at the week, you were weak at the, the, uh, the, the Super Bowl. Give me somebody who is on the rise in general. Somebody who's who's moving up a little bit. Oh, I can tell you this just okay. through uh, draft Twitter, and I haven't watched him yet, but I'm going to Jawan Taylor, the, oh. the um, officer tackle of Florida. Yeah, you search Jawan Taylor on Twitter, and that dude is destroying fools. And there have been talk about him during the season, and I, I sort of lost track because I, I wasn't watching a lot of offensive linemen, especially after after the season wrapped up. I was watching all the sort of skill position players get ready for the Senior Bowl. Sure. But um, every day it is building about how good this guy is. He'll probably be a first-round pick. Senior Bowl is Andre Dillard out of Washington State. He has great feet, but his questions about his ability with his upper body strength. Um, late in the season, it was Cody Ford out of Oklahoma, switch from guard to tackle, and also dominant. And uh, this week, last few weeks, has been Jawan Taylor, and uh, I'm going to watch a little bit of him and see. But the clips that people are putting on Twitter, and it's only the good stuff. There is some bad stuff, obviously. But, <laughs> dude, he is – I have yet to see him lose a one-on-one in terms of sheer strength. I mean, guys get beat all the time, but you see Aaron Donald's known for, you know, walking guys back into the backfield. I have yet to see this guy moved off a spot. So, you know, if that's something that interests you, Houston Texans, I would take a look at Jawan Taylor. Uh, yeah, seeing some stuff. I searched it. Um, John Ledyard, who I like uh, at Draft Network, Jawan Taylor's where inside moves go to die. Point out some Georgia's good guy. This guy just – Bullies, a, a dang Georgia guy. Um, interesting. So, uh, Jawan Taylor could be a first round pick. Did you have him going in your first round this time around? I think I did last week, not this week. I'm going to watch, um, him closely this week and then reevaluate. There's some other offensive linemen that I need to keep an eyeball on. Um, I mentioned Andre Dillard, going to watch some more of him and we'll see. But it's funny. I mean, you do this every week. Like Yadney Kajust out of West Virginia, I've loved for a long time. He's not in the first round this. This time around, but he's in my mind a first round talent. It's just a matter of uh, where you fit them all, especially given how deep this defensive class is. Mm. Paul, Tony Pauline of the Draft DraftAnalyst dot com um, reports that he thinks Jawan Taylor will be the first offensive tackle taken in the draft, which means well, he would, he would have to rise above this. Jonah Williams. We can talk about this this week or next week, but for some reason, Jonah Williams, who dominated his junior season at Alabama. Word started to leak that his arms aren't 34 inches long. It's the most ridiculous thing in the world. And uh, I talked to a scout that told me that uh, Jonah Williams is going to be playing tackle in the NFL. It doesn't matter about his arm length. I talked to uh, an offensive line coach who said, hey, dumb-dumb, if your arms are 36 inches long and you block people with your arms close to your chest, guess how long your arms are? Like 15 <laughs> inches long. <laughs> so it doesn't necessarily matter. And I talked to a guy who trains – a lot of these defensive linemen and offensive linemen in the offseason. And he said uh, footwork is way more important than arm length because if you don't know what you're doing with your feet, right. you, could, you could have 45-inch arms. You and have six arms. It won't matter if you – Six <laughs> arms. You could be uh, an octopus who lost two arms and still wouldn't have an ability <laughs> to block anyone. So I get that. And I, I think Tony Pauline is of the opinion that 34-inch arms uh, is sort of the cutoff. Ah. But I've had people tell me that uh, if this dude can play, because their conversation is moving Jonah Williams not only to guard but keep moving him to center. Oh, come on now. And they'll say, "Well, didn't you see what Clee Farrell did to him in the, in the uh, championship game?" Yeah, Clee Farrell won a few times. Clee Farrell's gonna be a first round pick, and the one play that people always point to, Jonah Williams slipped. 
So unless yeah. he plans on slipping on every play, pass protection play, I'm not worried about it. But listen, if Jawan Taylor goes as the first offensive lineman, that's no no knock against Jonah Williams. That's because Jawan Taylor is really, really good. Yeah. And look, there's a lot, we're doing, we're recording this on February 5th. There's a lot of time left until, uh, until the draft rolls around. Much, I mean, we haven't even got to the combine. You will be the combine. Maybe, maybe, um, if I skip the combine this year, you could just do the podcast from the combine. What do you think? Yeah, I love how you're angling. What do you think about that? Angling for that. Yeah, me and, me and Pete will do it. Ah, perfect. Pete, oh my God, I can't believe we're doing this draft. That's exactly right. This is Why is it so cold in here? Brinson's so lazy. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I heard that a few times. He thinks he <laughs> saves the Super Bowl and then all, he, he thinks he saves the Super Bowl and he's out there kissing. It's like, thinks he saved the Super Bowl. He just skipped the combine. Well, I, t- I tell him. I tell him what. Um, all right. Let's get out of here. We had a nice podcast. Good Super Bowl run. We will talk to you next week. Get ready for some more draft stuff. Follow Ryan Wilson at Ryan Wilson CBS. Watch him on CBS Sports HQ. He did three hits on Tuesday. He'll probably do three more on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. He's basically the face of HQ. Our senior draft analyst. Just NFL, just NFL draft analyst. <laughs> it's just me, so I guess I'm the senior in the junior. <laughs> All right, Ryan.